0: So Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 to 9, and then we'll continue on from verses 20 to 27. Okay, so starting Proverbs 4, verse 1. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honour you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Continuing now at Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say, turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil.
1: Well, day again, everyone. Uh, If you missed it, my name is not Brian, but Scott. Uh, I want to let you in on a little secret about me. This is baited breath, isn't it? This is the way to get people's attention. Um, I have a not particularly secret love for professional wrestling. This is that kind of goofy thing where big sweaty men wear tight pants and have fake fights. Yes. I think it's fantastic. It's so great. A couple of weeks ago, I was watching an old uh, documentary that kind of followed some wrestlers. Went behind the scenes. You saw their lives outside of the ring. And one guy I focused on was uh, this guy, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts. Can you guess why he's called the Snake? Uh, He carries a python to his ring, and when he defeats his opponents, he gets the python out of the bag and puts it on his opponent, generally scaring them. At one time, uh, Jake Roberts was one of the most uh, prolific uh, wrestlers in the world. He was adored by fans. He was respected by his peers. He was earning lots of money. He had everything going for him. But over the course of really just a short time, his life fell apart. He was he, His drinking got out of control. He wasted most of his money on uh, cocaine and women. Uh, he became very unreliable to the point where the major organizations wouldn't hire him anymore. Uh, he only was able to earn small amounts of money and, uh, and his body was well out of shape. And in the documentary, you get a glimpse of where it all went wrong, and it wasn't something that happened during his career. It happened way, way, way. It was was much earlier than that. There were other contributing factors, but the big thing was uh, Jake Roberts' relationship with his father. Jake's father was not a great guy. He happened to be a wrestler too, um, but he barely knew his son. Uh, He was never around. And, and, And all... The little kind of imagine that guy as a little boy growing up. All he wanted was his father's love. He never had it. And so he figured the one the one thing that he could do to get his father's love was to do what his father does. And do it really well. And then surely his love the the father's love would come for his son. And so that's why Jake the Snake ended up becoming a professional wrestler. Anyhow, he talks about the day. when he had his first match uh, he went out kind of did the wrestling thing got beaten he came back into the dressing rooms and his dad's there and he comes to his dad and before he can say anything his dad says to him son I'm ashamed of you you'll never amount to anything he turns on his heels and walks away And the impact of those words are constantly felt across this guy's life. Because words have power, don't they? Whether it be for good or for evil, words have power. Now maybe none of us have quite a dramatic story as Jake Roberts. But every one of us, we're affected by the words of the people around us. By the words of the people around us when we are growing up. By the words of the people around us still today. And for every one of us, our words have effects on those around us too. We're spending three weeks uh, going through the Bible book of Proverbs. Proverbs is all about wisdom. How do we live wisely in God's world? And this week we're going to explore words. What's the wisdom on words? If words have power, what does it mean to speak wisely? So our first point today is just that, the the power of words. Take a look at these uh, proverbs. Firstly, 12 verse 18. The words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Or 15 verse 4. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Words have, the, the, the power in words comes from the way they affect relationships. They have an effect on others. Words can uh, destroy and crush, they can heal and soothe, but it's not about a medical thing there, is it? It's about uh, people, it's about friendships, about the way we relate to one another. Because words have effects on others, they also have an effect on the speaker. So uh, foolish words can bring trouble on the speaker. Uh, 18 verse 16, the lips of a fool bring, bring them strife, and the mouth, their mouths invite a beating. And the flip side is true, though, too. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Just as foolish words can get you into trouble, wise words can keep you out of it. Words have relational power. The way you use them will affect others and it will affect the, the course of your own life, too. I am uh, one of three kids. I'm in the middle. I've got an older sister, younger brother. I'm quite close in age to my brother. We're only, I think, about 14 months apart. And because we're so close in age, we got to do lots of things together. We had good time, lots of good times together as little kids. But of course, we'd also niggle and fight a lot as well. And my brother's, he's, he's got this annoying cleverness about him. He'd come up with nicknames for me. Uh, Some of them were kind of funny, but they're only really funny in hindsight. At the time, he'd come up with these nicknames and he'd kind of sprinkle them into conversation and he'd see which ones got under my skin, which ones I really would react against. And he'd go, okay, that's the one. And that would become the way he'd refer to me again and again and again. So what do you think I'd do? Uh, Sometimes I'd try to race after him and assert what is clearly my superior physical uh, presence. Often that didn't quite work out like I'd hoped. Um, and it doesn't anymore because he's grown to be that much taller than me. So, More likely, however, the thing I did was yell out, Mum, Mum, he's calling me a name. And to deal with this, uh, Mum taught me and my siblings a little rhyme. I'm sure you've heard it before. It goes like this. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. You've heard it too, right? And it's a complete and utter lie. <laughs> Because names do hurt. What we say matters. Words have power, either for good or for bad. So I wanted to ask you now, do you recognize the power that your words have? How have you been using that power? Who's been feeling the the sting of your words recently? Who's been feeling the support that your words bring recently? If words are powerful, and they are, then we've got to use them well. That's the second thing for today. Speaking wisely. What does that look like? The prophet has heaps to say here, both negatively and positively. Uh, I wanted to look at, firstly, the, the unwise ways of speaking first. Uh, um, and, and then we'll get into the, the wise ways. So, firstly, um, unwise words. We're going to fly through a few here. The first is lying. Lying is lying is unwise. Uh, Proverbs twenty six verse twenty eight: A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Lies break friendships, don't they? they? They they form a breach of trust. Have you ever been lied to? Of course you have. We all have. Put your hand up. Who liked it? Who liked it when they got lied to? No? No one? Of course we don't. None of us like it. Because liars destroy relationships. So check out uh, chapter 19 verse 22. What a person desires is unfailing love. Better to be poor than be a liar. In Proverbs as in in Proverbs, poverty is not a good thing, and yet you see, even even poverty is better than being a liar, because the liar will never never be trusted. The liar will never truly get that unfailing love in their life. Lying words are not wise words, and nor are proud words. Proud proud words kill off friendships. So again, uh, 24 verse 9, the schemes of folly are sin and people detest a mocker. Pride, mocking, boastfulness, ego, these kind of things, they drive people away because who really wants to be around that? Gossip is another negative category. I mean, this is is not rocket science, is it? Uh, Proverbs, Proverbs it's really anti-gossip. Look at how clear the warning is in 20 verse 19. A gossip betrays. Oops, going back. Sorry. Got it. Yeah, there we go. Twenty verse nineteen. A gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. Don't even talk with a gossip. It only leads to being let down. Again, you see, there's a there's a relational cost to using words unwisely here, isn't there? Uh, one more negative category: quarrelling, fighting. Uh, Chapter 17, verse 14. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Have you ever seen seen a a dam become breached? It's destructive, right? This this wall of water just pours forth and anything in its past just gets blown away. And that's what quarrelsome, fighting, argumentative words are like. They're destructive. Any any friendship in its past just gets killed off. Uh, Proverbs 26, 21. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. Argumentative, quarreling words. They're not wise. So I want to take a moment now and pause on these four kinds of unwise words, lying, proud words, gossip, quarreling? Are you prone to any of these ways of speaking? What are your social media interactions like? What do you like when when you're the person who knows something that nobody else in the group knows about? What do you like when honesty might get you into trouble? What do you like when there's a dispute in your workplace? What do you like when the kids get on your nerves? Are you prone to these unwise words? Proverbs has a lot to say positively about words as well, it's not just negative it uh, Proverbs wants us to use words in a wise way because, again, it, they impact our relationships, our friendships so much. Uh, here, here's a couple of the highlights. Firstly, honest words. Just like lying is foolish, honesty is, is wise. Uh, so Proverbs 24, 26. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Speaking truth is not just right. It's, it's beneficial as well. It, like a kiss on the lips, it's, it's a good thing that comes from the mouth. My daughter, you probably might have seen her running around earlier. She turned three yesterday and she hasn't really learned how to lie yet. It's, it's quite nice. Um, you can ask her, Eva, did you draw on these shoes with a pen? And she might try and make up an excuse. I, 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 I just wanted to, daddy. But she's honest. It doesn't matter what age you are. Honesty is actually a really attractive feature in someone, isn't it? It doesn't tear down friendships, it builds them up. Kind words are wise words as well. I mean, you can take your pick for how you want to describe it, kind, gentle, gracious, whatever, but they all give off the same idea that, that these are words that are good for others to hear. So 1624, Gracious words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Oh, 1225 anxiety weighs down the heart but kind but a kind word cheers it up have you ever ever come across someone who's like this who speaks in these ways you just want to be around them don't you they help because they use the power in their words for good and and when you're around them you get to experience that not only are kind words good but but hard words are as well. Having the hard chat is a wise use of your words. See, from what I've said so far, you could, be forgiving, you could be forgiven for thinking that criticism is out. But that's not quite the case. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-three: Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor, rather than the one who has a flattering tongue. Both kind words and hard words are wise. But this is one of those times when you need to consider your own life situation. What situation are you in? Is now the time for a kind word? Or is now the time for a hard word? But do beware of flattery. Because it may appear to like a win in the short term. But having the hard word with someone is actually better in the long term. Hard words and kind words. And finally, when we're speaking, this isn't actually a speaking thing at all, but we're told it's it's wise to listen. 18 verse 13. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. I know I'm guilty of this. I, I tend to just hear a little bit about a situation, and then I think I know everything, and I can pass down my wise judgment on what's going on. But it's so easy when you do that to miss the mark, isn't it? You haven't you haven't heard, you haven't really understood, because you haven't really listened. Wisdom means not just speaking wisely, but listening, asking questions, hearing answers. So again, let's pause. Here are the four wise ways of speaking from Proverbs. Speak with with honesty, with kindness. Be prepared to have the hard chat. Be ready to listen. Are there areas from here that, that you'd like to grow in? How do you think you might go about doing that? Do you see these kinds of things in, in other people? Why not? Why not tell them? Encourage them. Encourage them to keep being like this. These are wise ways of speaking. Now some of us will get to this point and potentially we could be feeling overwhelmed. There's too much to stop doing, too much to start doing. How do you ever get there? Which is why what Woofle said is really helpful. Uh, Has anyone ever said that before here? I'm sure they have. What Wolf said is really helpful. Um, Proverbs 16, verse 23. The hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent and their lips promote instruction. The hearts of the wise change the way they speak. The right heart speaks the wise words. And it's Jesus who changes our hearts. It's God's spirit Who gives us a new heart? So, I don't want us to leave here feeling like there's a big weight tied around our necks that we have to bear. So, if you're feeling that weight today, I just want to say go to Jesus. Pray, ask Him to change you, ask Him for help. We, on our own, um, we're like the leopard who can't change their spots. But Jesus can do it for us. So ask him. I want to take us now, though, to the third point of the day, the wisest of words. Uh, Proverbs has a lot to say about speaking wisely. But there's actually more to say than just what's in Proverbs. Proverbs. Proverbs is not the complete book on wisdom. It's not the final word on wisdom. That place actually belongs to another on the screen i'm about to put up a few verses from colossians it's part of the, the the bible it's a letter written by a guy called paul paul would travel from town to town and he'd be telling people about jesus as he went from town to town and he writes in this letter about why he does that this is from colossians chapter 2 verse 1 he says i want you to know how hard i'm contending for you and for those at laodicea and for all who've been, who've not met me personally My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Throughout his life, people constantly recognized Jesus as someone who was wise. Uh, his childhood is described in this way. And a child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom. And the same thing is said about Jesus in his teenage years. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. So when he was a grown man, people saw this about him. Uh, in Matthew thirteen fifty four, people ask where did this man get his wisdom? Or in Mark 6, verse 2, where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom he has been given? Jesus is constantly recognised as a wise person throughout his life, but notice that Colossians is not saying that. Colossians is saying something more, something bigger. Colossians is saying that all wisdom is found in, in Jesus. Wisdom itself is, is, is centered on Jesus. That if you want to find out what, what what a wise life really looks like, what it means to be wise, you go to Jesus. Do you want to understand reality as it really is? Do you do you want to know the path to the wise life? Go to Jesus. He's the one that makes sense of everything. And you can't rightly understand this world without Jesus. If you were here last week, this is starting to sound familiar. Uh, So I'm not going to walk over the same path again. If you missed last week, though, do go to the website, download the talk, have a listen. But today, I I want us to walk down a different path. We're talking about words today, wisdom and words If all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Jesus, then the wisest words you can speak are actually words about Jesus. It's just that we live in an age where it feels like our society wants us to shut up about Jesus. Certainly, that's the case in the public square. If you talk about Jesus publicly, say, on a news or on a show on the radio uh, in a newspaper, if you do that, you're labelled something like a religious nutjob or someone who just doesn't get it. You're seen as the person who's out of touch, perhaps even intellectually inferior because, let's be honest, how could you believe in that mumbo-jumbo anyway? So most of us, we hear these things on the telly, on the radio, in the newspapers, and then we go off to work on Mondays, or we go off to our our study at the university, or we hang out with our mums group, and we've seen what happened to the Christian on the radio. We heard what kind of things were said about them. And so we don't want that to happen to us in our office or in our social circle. We don't want to be labeled the same way, do we? And so it just seems a bit safer, perhaps even a bit wiser, to stay quiet. This kind of thing isn't new. Take a look at this picture. Uh, you probably can't see it there, but this is some graffiti, uh, of an a- some ancient graffiti found in Rome. Here's a clearer tracing of it. Can you make out what's going on in the picture? There's a man there, he's got an arm lifted up. He's, wor- he, he, he's worshipping, the other thing, the other thing is a, a crucified, donkey-headed figure. And the inscription below, um, it translates to, Alexemenos worships his God. It, it was an ancient piece of graffiti that mocked Christianity. Jesus is portrayed as a donkey, a, a symbol of stupidity. And worse, he's being crucified which in the ancient world was the, the the height of being foolish. It was shameful. And if that's the case, how foolish would you have to be to be worshipping this one? Alexemenos worships his God. And he's a fool for doing that. We live many centuries later after this was drawn. But if you listen to the news and you read the papers, if you keep up with the general trends in our society, it doesn't feel a whole lot different, does it? We keep hearing that no one wants to listen about Jesus anymore. and To speak about Jesus, it might be the height of rudeness, but certainly it's the height of stupidity. Have you heard that before? Have you felt that? I want to say today, that's actually not right. It's not right at all. I actually think people are far more interested in talking about Jesus today than they have been for a while. Mainstream media might say that believing in Jesus is silly but I don't think most of the people we meet in our lives are like that. I was listening to a podcast during the week and there were a couple of preachers there and both of them, they're in about their 50s and they were reflecting on the last 30 years or so And they were talking about a change that's taken place. They were both saying that 20 years ago, to have a conversation about Jesus in the workplace, it just didn't happen. People weren't interested. But that's changed, they're saying. Nowadays, people are open, far more to talk about Jesus. more happier to do that. if you watch the telly, there's antagonism toward Jesus there. But that doesn't mean that the other parents at the school drop off. uh, They think the same thing. It doesn't mean that your work colleagues think the same thing. Or the favourite barista that you go to every day. It doesn't mean that they think the same thing. Often the media might portray something. But reality, what people actually like on the ground, is far different. So we need to hear again what the Bible says. That it's in Jesus that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. Wisdom is found in Jesus one of the things we saw earlier was the way that words can have an effect on relationships. Unwise words break friendships. Wise words build them up, make them stronger. It's the same with Jesus. When when words about Jesus are spoken into the world, it has an effect on relationships. But not just person to person relationships. Words about Jesus can actually bring people back into a right relationship with their God. When you get to speak about Jesus with the other mums in your mums group, you can invite them to actually get back on track with God. Is there any better, is there any wiser word that you could speak than that? So if you're here today and you're not really sure about this whole Jesus thing, I'm guessing you're probably here because someone dragged you along, probably someone's been trying to talk with you about Jesus for a little bit. I hope today you can see why they want to do that. They're actually convinced that Jesus is the key to a wise life and they want you to have that both now and into eternity. They're convinced that Jesus is your ticket to get right with God. They want you to have that. So I just say, um, when they do bring up Jesus in the conversation... Uh, don't feel like you have to shut it down. It's actually good to keep having that chat. It might go deep, but that's not a bad thing. I want to employ you today to find that wisdom, find that in Jesus. See how he, has, he is the place where all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. Others of us will be here today, though, and we've, we've found that Jesus is that source of wisdom. We're convinced he's the way to go. So I want to say to us, let's then talk about Jesus. Speak these wisest of words and speak them to one another. Afterwards, we're going to kind of mill around and have a chat and might have a cup of tea or whatnot. Look, the footy yesterday was was a blowout of a game. It wasn't that great. So let's not waste our time talking about that. Let's have a conversation about Jesus afterwards. It's a Melbourne team that won anyway, right? Want yeah. to have a conversation about Jesus afterwards? Uh, tell someone what you're reading in the Bible. Um, ask someone how they began to trust in Jesus. Ask someone what a difference Jesus is making in their lives, day to day. These are the conversations that actually help us explore how Jesus is that source of wisdom uh, knowledge in our lives. And then, when we leave these back doors today, or side doors, let's not put Jesus into the back pocket only to bring him out next Sunday. But let's keep talking about Jesus wherever it is that we go. What's that look like? Well, it's it's actually going to be different for, for, for all of us, isn't it? For some of us, this is kind of second nature and all we've got to do is pick up where we left off last week. But for others of us, talking about Jesus with our work colleagues or our neighbours, it's it's hard yakka. We might not even know where to begin. So let me suggest one thing. Figure out for you, what is the next step? What's the next thing that you could do in talking about Jesus? For example, is the next step just to let people know that you go to church. You rock up to work and no one actually knows that you, you're a your church go there. Maybe the next step is, when you're asked about what you did on the weekend, you can just say, oh, I went to church actually. I didn't know you go there. Yeah, I do. And who knows where that conversation goes. Maybe you're already there though and something like the next step might look something like trying to have deeper conversations. Uh, maybe you're at the... School drop off with the other parents and you're trying to just push, push the conversation beyond the mundane, beyond just talking about regular events in your life. Let me ask a question like, so what do you really want for your kids in life? What do you want for yourself? Things that push beyond just catching up on events. Maybe you're already there and you are having these deep conversations. And Maybe the next step is actually to, to talk about Jesus to actually intentionally bring Jesus up in the conversation. Maybe when you're hanging out with your old school buddies, you say, hi, Jack. You know I'm a Christian. It's never been an issue between us before. I just wanted to ask, what do you think about Jesus? Maybe the next step is something completely different. I don't know. I just wanted to outline there though, a few ideas, a few ways, and help you think. What is the next step that you could take in talking about Jesus with people in your lives? Consider it for yourself today. That's that's your homework for your Sunday afternoon. Sorry, no. Um, why not do that though? Prayerfully consider what's the next step that you could take this week, and then why not take that step this week? Because there is nothing more wise than to point other people toward Jesus there is no more wise use of your words than to point other people toward Jesus because he is where all the treasures of wisdom are found. Will you pray with me? Our great God and Father, we are so grateful to you that your word helps us understand what it is to be wise, that you don't leave us to try and figure this out for ourselves you tell us. we thank you for the proverbs and the ways that you help us understand uh, our words and speaking and the impact we can have on others. Please help us use our words wisely as good stewards of the things you've given us. Particularly Father, please help us point others to Jesus. We praise you that he is the place of all wisdom and knowledge. that as much as uh, the media might want to portray him as silly and outdated that he's not. That he's still the place where all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. Please help us know that. And please help us not be scared to talk about him. Father, we thank you that people aren't always like what the media portrays them. Thank you that you're opening up people's hearts to more and more these days to hear and appreciate Jesus, to talk about him. God, our prayer is that you would use us to do that. And even now, we pray that you'd be helping us to consider what the next step with our friends might be. And Father, even as we uh, have tea and coffee and chat afterwards, please help us then to love one another by pointing each other to Jesus this afternoon. We pray this in his name. Amen.